right? In uh, this series that we're doing this, this um, summer, we are calling it Encounters with King Jesus. And what we're doing is looking from the gospel accounts of stories where Jesus came across different people, encounters with them. And um, today we will be looking at the story of Jesus with Mary Magdalene. Um, you will have heard that name before. And uh, a great story, but it's on the day of Jesus' resurrection. So that's part of what plays into it, part of what uh, reflected some of the songs that we used this morning. Now, what I really like about this series is that many of us, and if not all of us, at some point wonder, what does God think of someone like me? You know how we all are. What does God really, really think about someone like me? And what this series does is it gives us some answers to that because we see Jesus as God in human form dealing with all sorts of people. And that would have come across already with the different people that we've looked at. Some you will relate to better than others, admittedly. Um, But it does help us to get a sense with all the the positive things with with who we are, with our strengths and our abilities, our personalities, but also our quirks and our failings. What does God think about us? And we see through how Jesus interacts with people that he actually thinks a lot of us and that we are seen as very special people. But he deals with everybody individually. And that's one of the, in, in a very personal way. And we're going to see some of that today with Mary Magdalene. And so it, it doesn't fully answer that question, what does God think of someone like me? But it gives us a some, some good ideas of what God does think about people like us. Now, before we jump into this story, I want to frame it in a broader way. It has to do with learning. Learning is one of those things that we do all through our lives. It's just part of being human. Um, even as we get older, and man, I had to think already this morning, this, uh, all right, I'm 60 years old, okay? Somebody tells me something that they'd like me to do, and if I don't walk right back to my office and write it on a post-it note, I'm not going to remember it. Last week, somebody did that to me, and it took two days, literally two days for me to come up with what I needed to remember. It's, you know, learning, it's, it's in a different place for me right now than when I was in school and when I, was, when I was younger. But it is still something that we constantly do. Now, here's, here's where we see it, right? You go to get a phone upgrade, right? And what you find out is if you do it every two years, like our plan is, well, there's things that you're going to learn, right? Things that you may not learn, but you don't, need to, you don't need to know them about all the stuff that a phone can do. Now, for some of us, some of it's frustrating. Some of it's very um, just straightforward, very intuitive. And yet it's all part of learning. And so again, learning is, is something that we, we always do. Now, learning, though, is also a key part of what happens with us as believers in Jesus. Now, the Bible uses words like disciple and growth, that kind of thing. Another word for disciple is learner, right? We are learning in the best and broadest way all sorts of things about God, what what it means for us to follow him, learning about ourselves, learning about other people, what he has for us to do. We're, we're constantly learning. And what we're going to see from the story of Mary Magdalene is that her encounter with Jesus, again, shortly after his resurrection, brought a big change to her relationship with him. There were some startling and unexpected elements. Really, the biggest one is that she saw him alive. She did not expect that. 
but that made a big difference for her in her relationship with him. And it pushed her in learning more of what she needed to know and what she needed to do in that relationship. Now, some of what she experienced in that encounter bring up a couple of other sides of learning that we need to recognize. And they're up on the screen. There are some occasions we need to unlearn things, right? And then there are other occasions when, and sometimes they go hand in hand, if we have to unlearn something, we need to relearn something else. Now, I would think unlearning is probably the more difficult of the two. And this is when there are things that are either wrong or mistaken, and so they need to somehow be dropped or discarded or corrected in some way. It can take the form of a conversation that I had with someone not too long ago. She said to me while we were talking, I'm stupid. And I know her. I, I know she's not stupid. And I said, you aren't stupid. But you won't be surprised to hear where it came from. She grew up in a household where that's what she was constantly told. You're stupid. And when you hear it time after time after time, especially as a child, how do you grow up? You're thinking, I'm stupid. And that is having to unlearn that message. And some of you know this. You've you've been down some of this road. It is really hard to do. And to make that change, to realize, no, you're not stupid, or whatever it might be. And then to relearn the, the positive things that are going on. Relearning, on the other hand, is something we experience in situations like this. You, you get a different job, right? You get a new job. And you might even be doing the same basic job. But it means that you're going to have to relearn some things. Not necessarily skills, the skills that you need and what you do. But you're, you're working for a different company. So there are typically different ways of doing things. Again, the system's in place. might be a computer system that's different. Um, all sorts of things like that. It can just simply be that you're working with new people and a new boss. And so you've got, you've got to make some shifts and relearn some things. Again, not your basic skills, but that kind of thing. And the same is true in, in the spiritual realm as well. You know, sometimes we have to unlearn some things and relearn what God wants, and what God really says. So this is the framework that I'd like to, uh, to use in looking at this encounter with King Jesus. Now we're going to hold off the main, uh, the, reading the main passage from John chapter 20 just for a few minutes because I want to give a little bit of just quick background on this woman named Mary Magdalene. And the reason for that is the encounter we're looking at is not the only time they dealt with each other. Sometimes that was the case. Some of the, the, the incidents we've been looking at are that. Not for her. They most likely actually knew each other very well. Um, she's mentioned numerous times in the Gospels, most often, interestingly, around the time of Jesus' death and resurrection. But there was one other time. We're going to look at that in just a second. Now, Mary, and there will be a photo up on the screen here. Mary um, is a common name, right? It was back in that time, and it still is today. She is called Magdalene, that is added to her name, because she came from a village called Magdala. So it's just a different way of saying Mary from Magdala. Again, there were a lot of Marys around, it was a common name, and so that's, um, that's all it was. Now, it's on the western shore of Galilee, um, it's the region Jesus came from, and 11 of his 12 disciples came from that region. Now, this photo that I got up here, um, I I chose this one. It's from over 100 years ago um, because it shows some of the ruins in the background there. That was the original village. Now, the ruins are still being excavated today. 
Um, and you see the Sea of Galilee right there. And then, of course, it's, it's very barren beyond that. But that is where Mary came from. Um, so, again, Mary from Magdala is her name. But it's a short couple of verses from the beginning of Luke chapter 8 that I want us to look at. It gives us a few more clues of this woman named Mary. So if you have your Bible or device, um, it'll be up on the screen. I'm going to read from Luke chapter 8, verses 1 to 3. It says, Soon afterward, Jesus began a tour of the nearby towns and villages, preaching and announcing the good news about the kingdom of God. He took his 12 disciples with him, along with some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Among them were Mary Magdalene. So there she is, right there. From whom he had cast out seven demons. Very significant thing that's said there. Among, pardon me. Um, also Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's business manager. Susanna, and many others who were contributing from their own, own resources to support Jesus and his disciples. So there's a couple things that we can find out about Mary Magdalene from this short passage. One is that Jesus had brought a significant healing to her. It says he had cast out seven demons from her. Now, we don't know what happened. We don't know when it happened, just that it it did happen. But I think we can safely read into it that this was a significant healing for her. It would have been a dramatic turnaround from probably what was a mess of her life. Seven demons in this woman that Jesus cast out. Again, we don't know all that was involved at all. We, we really know very little. But this would have been very dramatic. And what it would have brought is a sense of wholeness to her in her spiritual and physical and emotional being. And so for her, knowing what Jesus had done for her, that would have made a huge difference. And just in her sense of devotion to him because... This man who says he is God come in human form, he did this for me. An amazing thing that he had done. The second thing is that she was likely well off because she was one of this group of women providing material support for Jesus and his disciples. It wasn't unusual in Jesus' time for a rabbi, and that's how they saw him, for a rabbi and a group of followers to have people providing material support for them. It, it just happened at different times. So this is, this is something that was very typical um, that, that Mary was part of. And so I think we can read into it that not only would she have been devoted to Jesus because of the healing that he brought her, but she had enough resources that she could take time to sometimes travel, sometimes not, but to provide some material help for these 13 men. And think about 13 That's not a small number of people that you're feeding and helping to provide support for. So that is, again, Mary was part of that group of women doing that thing. So if nothing else, it would have said they knew each other really well, right? They they would have known each other over a period of time. And again, what, what Jesus had done for her was significant. Now, one other quick note to mention. There are times that there are other things said about Mary that are not true, And the most prominent one is that she had been a prostitute. Not true. Um, Around the 6th century, somebody got Mary Magdalene mixed up with someone else, an unnamed woman, who had been a prostitute. But they weren't the same, okay? So, again, that was... I even was thinking it as I first got this topic. It's like, how do I relate a prostitute to a group of church people? But I don't have to because it, it wasn't true. So, again, just if you had that in your mind like I did... 
Um, just know that that's not the case. So to the encounter with Jesus. So even though Mary was actively supportive of Jesus three years or so of ministry, her name doesn't come up again until the accounts of Jesus' death. And then what you'd see, and, and yet, again, put yourself in her shoes, right? Very close to this man, devoted to him for what he'd done and, and what he was saying. And he's being put to death. And he's being put to death in this horrible, just absolutely horrible way. And what it says is she was present when he was put on the cross. She was one of the women, along with Jesus' own mother and several others that were there. And she is watching this horrible thing happen to this man that she is so devoted to. But it was only a few days later that the story comes up that we're going to look at. So John chapter 20 is this story. And what it talks about is Mary is the first person to have seen and talked with Jesus after his resurrection. This amazing encounter that's there and that Jesus, the Lord put her in that spot that she was the first person to see and talk with him. So again, it'll be up on the screen, John chapter 20. Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. A lot of people think that's probably John, the author. Not absolutely certain, but that's who a lot of people think it is. She said, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb. We don't know where they have put him. Peter and the other disciple started out for the tomb. They were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there, while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. Then the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For until then they, had, they still hadn't understood the scriptures that said that Jesus must rise from the dead. Then they went home. Mary was standing outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she stooped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head, and the other, the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they have taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they have put him. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you have taken him away, tell me where you've put him, and I will go and get him. Mary, Jesus said. She turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which is Hebrew for teacher. Don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father. But go find my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. Then she gave them his message. Awesome story. Awesome story. And the emotion, the unexpected parts of it, the drama of the whole thing, the amazing miracle God did, all of that is part of this, this story. And it's hard to express just how important it is in the big picture of God's dealings with people that he sent his son into this world. 
And then he went through this horrible death, but he didn't stay that way. That he came back to life again. And God is still working in people's lives just as what happened with Mary Magdalene. And again, she was the first person to see him and talk with him and to recognize that's who he was, the Lord. Now, putting this story together with the other Gospels, Mary was part of a group of women that had gone to the tomb very early that morning. It says it was still dark. And I, I, I love to sort of put, your, put myself in the, the spot. So spring, okay? April sometime. The weather's still a little cool, right? And it's early, early in the morning, okay? Sun hasn't started to come up yet. And they're going to this tomb. They're, they're looking to find their way there. And they, they know right where it is. And Mary's part of this group of women. What they didn't know is what had already happened. Probably just a short time before that where Jesus, his body was gone. God had raised him from the dead. Now, I'm not even going into the belief of that because, again, that's a miracle beyond anything that any of us would, would really comprehend. How can God do something like that? But there was enough evidence, I believe, that his body was just gone, and then he began to appear to people. Amazing stuff. Mary's words, um, when, when she found that his body wasn't there, she sort of, there's this panic and sadness, and she said, they've taken the Lord's body out of the tomb. We don't know where they put him. And she's worried. What, what's gone on? What's happened here? So she ran to find Peter and John, uh, most likely John. They ran back, looked in the tomb themselves, and Mary obviously made her way back. Don't know what happened to the other women. They, they were still around, but Mary seemed to be the primary spokesperson there. Um, And then they went in, those two men looked, and then left. So Mary's there, apparently by herself. She looks down in and sees this vision of angels. Again, totally unexpected. They ask, why are you crying? She tells them, and then she turns around and doesn't recognize that it's Jesus there. She thinks he's a gardener, right? Um, And this is one of those times... And there's several of them where the gospels say that even Jesus' closest followers, and that includes Mary, they sometimes didn't recognize him. We don't know why, because it was him, but there was obviously something different about him. Um, Now, for her, it might have been because it was dark, but again, this happened with other people too. Um, Again, something, something was just different about him. And as she talked to him, again, they've taken the Lord's body away. But did you notice, Jesus said one thing to her, her name, (laughs) right? And he said it, and all of a sudden, ah, the light went on, and she knew who it was. Now, we don't know if at that point she might have fallen at his feet and grabbed a hold of him because he said, don't cling to me. Um, It's probably what she did. Again, her act of immediate devotion, you know, she loved this man and what he had done for her. Um, And then he said, Go back, tell my brothers what they need to hear, and she left, and that's the end of the story. And this is the last mention of Mary Magdalene in the Bible. So in a sense, I think we can use some creative imagination at times with her, what happened afterward, but this is where the story ends. But the single most important thing to notice from Jesus' encounter with Mary is just how personal it is. Again, they knew each other well, she was deeply devoted to him, but the, the part of not recognizing, recognizing him, again, all it took was saying her name. And I think we all understand that. Our names are very important. It drives me crazy when I can't remember somebody's name, right? And if somebody doesn't get my name right, I, I know that I, you know, 
Still getting to know him and all that kind of thing. But for Mary, oh my goodness, this, this was what it took. He just said her name. And, and he, again, she knew. She knew right away that this was him. Now, for us, I think it can still resonate for us. We don't see Jesus face to face, do we? Right? Anybody said they did? I you know, question some things. We don't, okay? But we can still talk with him. That's part of what prayer is all about. But we don't see him to have that kind of conversation. But he still deals with us very personally. It's as though he knows us by name. He's not going to get it wrong, right? He knows us by name. And he still deals with us in such personal, deeply personal ways. And that is where for us, with all that goes on with who we are, it says so much to us that we do matter to God. God in human form coming and he dealt with people, and especially in this instance with Mary, in such personal ways. But going beyond that, right? Mary, like the other Jews at the time, believed in resurrection. And that meant, by that, it means people's physical bodies at some point after death coming to life again. The Jews of that time believed that at some point in the far distant future, everyone who had died would come back to life again. What they didn't believe is that it would happen then, okay? So this happens. This is totally unexpected for Mary, for all the other disciples. They simply didn't believe that this kind of thing would happen. That's why there was so much despair when Jesus died. They thought, oh my goodness, all our hopes are gone. There's nothing left. And then God again did the unexpected. Despite the scriptures that talked about it and what Jesus himself said, They just simply didn't think he would do something like that. But he did. Now, I don't really think it's that much different from today. How would any of us react if you'd hear a story that somebody who had died and three days later, people are seeing him again? I know, I'd say, nah, it just doesn't happen. And it's not even like those um, tunnels of light stories where somebody's clinically dead for a short, very brief period of time and then um, come back to life. It's different. Three days, okay, right? Um, And so, again, I think we can relate to the Jews of that time that they just didn't think it would happen. And even, again, Jesus had told his disciples very clearly, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to die, and I'm going to come back to life. But they just didn't get it. They were all surprised when it actually happened. So this was as dramatic an experience as anyone could go through um, for what Mary, especially, being the first one, you, you couldn't ask for anything more dramatic or unexpected. But coming back to this framework I mentioned, learning and unlearning and relearning, where does that come in with this story of Mary seeing Jesus? The most obvious thing to realize is that her prior understanding of resurrection, again, that it was something for the end of time, was mistaken. It, it wasn't right. Again, she fit right into the mold of Judaism at the time, but God broke that mold. God did something totally unexpected. And so what she had to relearn is that God could break through now. Not just in the future. He could do something now. And so that sense of unlearning and relearning would have been very much part of what she would have had to experience. And she got it in a very dramatic way. Couldn't miss it. But 
looking, and, and again, looking back to her story later, even though we have nothing written, what she would have learned from what we call the New Testament was that Jesus was simply the first of all who believe in him, that what he experienced, that he died and he came back to life physically, is something that will be true for every believer in Jesus. You read through many places in the New Testament, but especially the end of Revelation, and it talks about that. And so for those of us who struggle with physical difficulties, just think about that. In heaven, we will have bodies that don't age, that don't go wrong, where our minds stay clear, all of those kind of things. And that is what Jesus was the first one. And this is what Mary would have learned, that she herself, because she had put her trust in Jesus, that she herself would one day see this kind of thing happen for herself. And for us as learners in this lifelong journey of following Jesus, what does it say to us? Well, like Mary, we need to realize that while we have our understandings about how things will happen, God can and still does break through with the unexpected. And you know what I'm, I'm talking about here, right? We can plan things out to the last detail. We've got our career mapped out. We think we haven't figured out how our country could make some turnarounds. And I've done this one. I figure out how the Lord could help me get a loan paid back, right? I, I, I get it figured out. How, this is how God's going to do it. And you know what? God still does the unexpected. Thank God that he does. Um, The bottom line is that we shouldn't always expect things to go the way we anticipate. Planning's good, but recognize that there is a God. We don't want to box God in with our plans and say, well, it really can't happen another way. And being very gracious, sometimes God surprises us. He does something unexpected and provides for us in a different way than we might have thought. Um, and enough of us have been this, through this kind of thing. See, here's what it is. God is still God, and we're not. All right? That's about as basic a lesson as there is. God is God, and we're not. And so we just let, need to let him do what he wants. Fairly simple, not always easy to do. So we're all learners in Jesus, and like Mary, we sometimes have to unlearn and relearn things to continue growing in our faith. Now, I've got a document up here. Uh, I pulled it out. I keep it in my lockbox normally. This is called a full British license. What this means is that I am legally allowed to drive in Britain. Um, Our family lived there for nearly nine years. It's been 14 years since we last visited, but this legally allows me to drive there. Now, learning to drive, right, in England was about one of the biggest learning and unlearning and relearning experiences that I've ever been through, my wife and I both. Um, because you've got to figure out, with the steering wheel on the right, okay, you shift with the left hand. In nine years living there, I only knew two people that had an automatic transmission, right? So you're shifting with your left hand. You ever come up to a roundabout? I think there's only one in Lancaster County, right? It's over by the airport. It's small, easy. Put a three-lane roundabout, and there's five exits off, on and off. And you've got to figure out where you're going, right? Learning to navigate those. And then dealing with motorways as well as country lanes, where, again, like around here, there's no marking on the road. I remember the first time that we drove to get groceries, and we moved there in December. So in December, it gets dark very early, and England's so far north. 
and pull out of this, they call it a car park. And it was a little road before you got to the main road, no markings. And I'm driving a Mini, and we've got our two kids in the back seat, and Julie's next to me, and all of a sudden, I panic. Uh-oh, which side of the road do I go, or do I go on? Um, but again, the, there's a simple rule of thumb. And if you ever driv, drove there, it's, it's this. Left is right, and right is wrong. Okay? So if you ever drive there, just remember that little one. Okay? All that to say it was a huge learning experience. Okay? Now, again, in different ways and yet some similarities, I think we all continue to learn and unlearn and relearn as we go on in our relationship with the Lord. My initial encounter with Jesus came through the influence of a friend when I was in college. Um, at the time, I hadn't been to church for all through high school, and there was very little I knew. What's praying? I remember the first time praying, sitting in my dorm room thinking, what's this? And I remembered a few Bible stories. I did go to church when I was young, but I didn't remember a whole lot. And all of those things, it was all new. What does it mean to follow God? I I really didn't have a clue. So, you know, learning curve was pretty steep, okay? There was a lot to learn. And it was, fortunately, I had some really good friends who helped me along the way. Now, as time goes on, the this curve is not going to be so steep. But I'm still learning. And for me nowadays, it, it shows up in, in ways like keeping up with the issues that come with dealing with people. It's just what I do. You know, my job is mostly dealing with people. So I'm all, always needing to, to keep up with what's going on, not just with individual people, but just in general. And I've been finding more often that I've got to keep up with mental illness issues. Um, I'm just dealing more and more with people that are, have some sort of mental illness. Um, again, the learning curve's not quite so steep. There have been times, and when I first started here, learning people's names. Right? It's, and it's still getting there, but learning a different way of doing things, and, and this church was different from the places I've been before. Again, all of that's part of where we are, and we all have those experiences, okay? We've all got different experiences, but we're all learning, we're all unlearning, and we're all relearning along the way. And as we wind down this message, I want to mention just a few observations about this whole thing of how learning and unlearning and relearning relates to our walk with Jesus, one comes from what we could call, or what could be called the sound bites, that sometimes contain some truth from the scriptures, but can let you down when life doesn't go the way you expect, right? These sound bites, right? There's a lot of them around. Um, again, they've got some truth, and sometimes they do come from the scriptures, but I'll tell you, um, the way of Jesus, it fully accounts for the difficult parts of life, the cancer diagnoses, the loss of a job. What happens is we're we're dealing with family issues and the problems that come up, accidents. And what the way of Jesus doesn't come down to is is it doesn't distill it down to some nice little soundbite, okay? Sometimes they're helpful, but you have to realize that sometimes they're not. And sometimes we have to unlearn those things. A story along this line comes from a mom in her 30s, diagnosed with cancer, got got one child, and it's an amazing story. I, I love her writings. Her name is Kate Bowler, if you, if you come across her writings. And she wrote this about a neighbor. And her neighbor was doing something very kind, bringing over a meal um, while she was going through some of her treatments. And her husband, um, Kate's husband, answered the door and um, gives him the meal. But then she just didn't leave it there. She said, um, 
she told her husband, everything happens for a reason. And you got to think about that one, right? And her husband said, I'd love to hear it. Everything happens for a reason. And she said, startled, pardon? And he said, I'd love to hear the reason my wife is dying. See, there's a lot of truth to that. Everything happens for a reason. But when you're talking to someone whose wife is dying, it doesn't cut it. It just doesn't cut it. And I had to think back. Five, it's five years ago this month, my wife was diagnosed with breast cancer. And at the worst point for her, I'm really glad the very kind people who brought meals over didn't say something like that to me. Um, I would probably not have responded very well. Um, but we have to be careful of the sound bites. Again, it's got some truth, but man, they just don't always fit. And we've got to just be so careful. Another one comes from something I heard not long ago from someone who said something to this effect. Um, she had grown up in a, a legalistic church, lots of rules, lots of do's and don'ts, that kind of thing. And she said it was very hard to get past those things, even many years later. Um, now, some of you would have grown up in a situation like that. Um, learning that knowing Jesus isn't based on a bunch of rules can be really hard to unlearn. But The way of Jesus is a relationship that develops over time, and it involves all sorts of things. Yes, there are things that God tells us not to do or not do, but it's not based on that. And I just find that very intriguing. And so it's just to say that for some of us, um, actually, I shouldn't say some of us. I did not grow up in in church very much, so I didn't didn't have that experience. Um, But for some of you, you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about. Having to unlearn some of those rules, and some might be good, but some aren't so helpful, really. But we need to unlearn them and learn the, the truths of God, those basic things that are so helpful. Last thing I'd mention is that there are things that some of us may have grown up with that are often associated with Christianity, but are really separate. It can include things like political beliefs or the views of certain preachers and teachers. Um, you know how it is, maybe your parents grew up listening to a certain preacher and and some of the things really were just off, you know, had, had some good things, but some things were off. Those kind of things, again, um, what's important to realize is that as our own faith develops, that some of those things that are associated with it, they are separate. It doesn't matter who you vote for. You don't have to vote a certain way, right? Okay? I know some of you will argue with me, but it, it doesn't come down to that, right? Nor is it based on um, what some maybe view that somebody has, and it can be something about the second coming of Jesus or, you know, something, whatever it might be. Realize that these things are associated, but they're not, again, the heart of what Christianity is all about. And so sometimes we have to unlearn those things and relearn what it means for us, how we develop our own views on how Christianity um, works together with politics and with other, other views, all sorts of things. But we have to sometimes unlearn and relearn those things. So while none of us will experience what Mary Magdalene did, right, as, as we finish off, none of us have been <laughs> with Jesus on that early spring morning in Jerusalem right? But what her experience does say to us are things like, Jesus still encounters us. He does. And he does it in very personal ways. And sometimes he still wants us to say, let me 
do things the way I want. <laughs> um, don't fit me into a box. And these are the kinds of things that Mary still speaks to us about today as we continue ourselves to learn from Jesus. So will you join me as we pray and finish? Lord, thank you that you've given us this woman, this very real woman, Mary Magdalene. Thank you for her. Thank you for what Jesus did for her and what he meant to her and the way she showed her devotion, the way she learned, the way she followed him. Lord, thank you for all of that. And Lord, thank you for what her story and this encounter teaches us. Lord, thank you that you still deal with us in such deeply personal ways, that you know us by name. We don't have to remind you of our name. And you deal with us in ways that, again, we just have to let you be God. So will you do that? Will you be at work in us? Continue to shape us to be your people more fully. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.